Dr. Jeff Myers is president of Summit Ministries, a Colorado-based nonprofit organization. With his eyes on the next generation, Dr. Myers is equipping young people to embrace God's truth and adopt a biblical worldview. As an educator, an author, an entrepreneur, he's recognized as one of America's most respected authorities in apologetics and youth leadership development. Jeff, it's so great to have you back on Takeaways again. Kirk, it's great to be with you. I'm sorry I can't be there with you in the studio. Sometime we will do that. Well, I look forward to that, but uh, great, great to be with you again. And you've got this brand new book out. We're gonna be talking today about truth and how truth changes everything. Uh, for those who missed our last conversation, can you just uh, share with them a little bit about uh, what you're doing at Summit Ministries and what fuels your passion for apologetics? Yeah, well, so, you know, Kirk Summit Ministries is really a force multiplier in the battle of tr over truth today. So we bring young adults to our Summit Ministries campus in Colorado and also in Georgia and have a curriculum courses for churches, Christian schools, homeschools, and others. So all in all, we're able to train a couple of hundred thousand people every year pretty intensively to understand a biblical worldview, to embrace God's truth, and then to champion a biblical mm. worldview, whether they're going into law, medicine, science, whatever they happen to be going into. So we, we throw around this word, biblical worldview, this phrase, biblical worldview. Um, what does that mean? Can you, what do you mean worldview? Yeah, I know. It's, it is kind of a quirky term, but I, when, when I use the term worldview, I'm referring to a pattern of ideas, of beliefs, of convictions and habits. So we all have ideas. So for, just take, for instance, is there a God or isn't there a God? What you do in answer to that question will determine what you believe about what's real. I know that sounds crazy because people think, well, of course, reality is reality, but most people don't believe that. They believe they make up their own reality. What you believe about what's real will determine what you believe about what's right and wrong. Is it right or wrong if I just feel that it is, or is there some objective standard for what is right or wrong? That, in turn, determines what you believe about society and everything else. So what you believe at the outset ends up forming a pattern that affects all the rest of your life. It's not just Christians who have this. Mm. Everyone has a worldview. And by the way, Kirk, all worldviews are religious. You know, the dictionary definition of religion is any set of beliefs about the cause, nature, and purpose of the universe. I was on a show once with a guy who was an atheist, and he said, well, you're a Christian. You're making claims. I'm an atheist. I, I'm neutral. Like, oh, no, you are not neutral. Nobody is neutral in this. You have a very clear set of beliefs about the cause, nature, and purpose of the universe, and I challenge you to defend it. That was a really interesting conversation because most people just sort of put Christians on the defensive and think that if, they're, if they don't have belief, that they somehow escape the fact that they have a worldview. Jeff, you, you're expressing that as you're talking to young people, all over the country, that there is an erosion of truth. Why do you say that? We have passed a tipping point in the United States of America where the majority of people now say they believe the truth is not objective. It's not absolute. It's not knowable. Rather, truth is up to the individual. Once you say the truth is up to the individual rather than something that can be found, you start saying things like, speak your truth, Instead of seek the truth, mm. you start saying, well, that's your, you know, you've got these moral claims that you're making, but those are just your opinion. I have a different opinion. You have your truth. I have my truth. We'll just have to agree to disagree. 
And it, it sounds fine if you're just talking about, you know, whether you like chocolate ice cream or peanut butter ice cream. But when you get to issues about what should govern a good society, you can't have abortion through all nine months of the pregnancy and no abortion at the same time and in the same way. Those are two totally different policies. You can't have a 30% tax and 70% tax on the same group of people at the same time. You can't have fracking and no fracking. So you see, it, when it comes to the issues of the real world, you've got to make some claims and you've got to be able to defend them. Are they true just because you like them? Or just because you have power? Or just because you manage to shame other people who disagree with you? Or are they really, truly true because they represent what's actually real? And are you finding that people who say, well, what's true for you, it may not be true for me, we each can have our own truth, are, are, are there even Christians who, who are saying this? Unfortunately, Kirk, it, it actually is, it's just a little bit different in the church. So right now, we, we've found that the balance has completely tipped with those who are 40 years of age and younger. The majority of people 40 years and age and younger in the United States say they believe that truth is up to each person. Now, that's a, that's a really radical claim. Only radical philosophers in history would have ever made a claim like that. You know, Socrates would never have made that claim. Aristotle, Plato would never have made that claim. Even the atheist philosophers of the 20th century would never make that claim. Okay, because they know, they believe there's some kind of way to reason through things. So I, I, think, I, I think that's really where it's tricky. So we looked at the church. And it's just a few points behind, a few percentage points behind. Christians really aren't that much different from the rest of the population, which I guess I should, we should sort of expect that. Christians are just people who, you know, realize they need God. That's, that's the main difference. But it doesn't seem that in their worldview that there's much to distinguish them from the everyday atheist on the street. And this idea that um, I can have my truth, you can have your truth, it sounds so compassionate, it sounds so um, inclusive, but um, throughout history, philosophers have recognized the importance of truth and tried to justify it or define it in different ways. What, what are some of the different ways that uh, philosophers have defined or justified truth? Well, there's some different ways that they've justified the idea that there is no truth. And then there's some ways that they've justified the idea that there is truth. Sure. So when philosophers say there is such a thing as true, what they're saying is that reality is objectively knowable, that when you look at something and I look at something, we may be seeing it a little bit differently from our different perspectives, but we're actually seeing the same thing that has an essence that presents itself in a similar way to both of us. This is, this is manifestly true. It's true in morality. If you look at all the different moral codes all over the world, there are slight differences here and there, but they all have in common things like murdering someone inside of your group is never permitted. Uh, you, a man in some cultures may have more than one wife, but he may never have another man's wife. Cowardice is never elevated as a virtue. C.S. Lewis pointed out a lot of this, but there are many, there are many anthropologists who've looked at it as well. They said oh. the similarities are bigger than the differences. Even in music, which is crazy, you look at cultures around the world, they use similar chord structures and tones and so forth to evoke certain emotions. That's how philosophers say that there is no truth. Usually when philosophers say there's no such thing as truth, they're just saying, well, look, truth is whatever helps you win. You know, it's kind of a postmodern idea. Stanley Fish, a First, First Amendment professor and postmodernist, said, you are entitled to your own facts if you can make them stick. Now, think about what he just said there. He's essentially saying that if you're more persuasive than the next person, then you're right. 
Is that the way we want to live? Is that the kind of society that we want to have? But I guess he's right if he presupposes the idea that there is no God. So if there is no God, then there is no ultimate truth or moral standards, and therefore it's up for grabs. And so it's sort of like the survival of the fittest, the one who can make his ideas stick more than the other. I know it, this, this sounds crazy to the people who are watching this right now because they're thinking, well, you know what? Uh, like I'm on the 12th floor of a hotel right now. If I jump out of my window, which opens, am I going to go down or up? Does it depend on whether I have feelings of upness or downness? No, it depends on gravity. So a lot of people are just thinking, this is crazy that people would have these kinds of beliefs. But uh, here's an example. Melville Herskovitz was a professor of education at Northwestern University. He wrote in the 1970s, even the facts of the physical world are perceived through what he called the enculturative screen. So you can't really know that two plus two equals four. All you can know is that all of the people you've asked say that two plus two is four. Yeah, this, this starts to sound crazy, but it really is happening. And it's become this, this, um, this your truth and my truth uh, can be different truths as the base of our thinking. It's really showing up and leading to the kind of confusing things that we see kids being taught about gender, about morality, about all sorts of things. Um, you say in, in, uh, in some of your writings that people believe speaking their own truth leads to dignity and to harmony, but that you believe it actually leads to social conflict, purposelessness, and loss of identity. Would you help us understand how? I can prove that. You know, Summit Ministries, we do a lot of research, and you can see it. If you go to summit.org, click on press, you'll see some of the research that's there. 75% of young adults today say they do not have a sense of purpose that gives them meaning in life. 53% say they regularly struggle with anxiety and depression. 55% of young people today say they do not believe there is an absolute value to human life. You can take it or leave it, but you don't. But it isn't necessarily always the case that a person has the right to life. And so you, you just look at all these kinds of things and you think these are symptoms of a really lost generation. And if, if sometimes it's done on purpose, Kirk. I think we have to be honest about that. If you go to schools, if you can teach some, if you can teach children to look at one another and say there is no difference between a boy and a girl, then you can convince them of anything. And they become the perfect subjects for whatever you want to do if you're the one in power. Well, that's why I'm so grateful for what you do, uh, Dr. Myers, at Summit Ministries. Uh, my daughter went to Summit. She just absolutely loved it. I've got friends and uh, my children have friends who have gone to Summit. And it's transformational for them. It, it, it helps them to understand uh, what they believe, but also why they believe and how to articulate those beliefs in a way that actually fits with the world around them and explains reality better than these other false views. Jeff, what, what, what was it that inspired you to write this book at this time? You've written lots before, but this one seems to have um, just a, a real passion to it. You want to get this message out that truth changes everything. Uh, this is very emotional for me, Kirk, because uh, as you know, several, almost two years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. And I, I thought, wow, I don't, what about all of those trips I wanted to take with my wife? You know, what about wanting to hold my grandchildren someday? And I had, at the same time, I had this book contract. Well, you're thinking, well, if, what if this is the last book I ever get to write? 
is this the one I really want to write? And I decided that if this is the last book I ever get to write, I want to write it to help turn people's attention toward not only the idea that truth exists logically, but that truth is a person. It's Jesus. And people who believe that transformed the world, even in times of great crisis, far greater than the crises we face in our own time. That's so good to hear. I, that, that, that's like air to a suffocating person. That's like water to somebody who's dying of thirst. That truth is a person. What would you say to those who, who are saying that all, all hope is lost? You know, uh, uh, America in our country, we've gone to seed. Nobody believes the truth anymore. You challenge that assumption. Why is that? I acknowledge that that is where things are. But I have also acknowledged in the book that as I study history and I do it in the book, I just tell story after story after story and give evidence in science, the arts, education, justice, Mm. politics, medicine, all these different areas where individual Christians and sometimes the church as a body of believers just said, I believe that truth exists and I believe the truth is personal. It's Jesus. And that's going to change how I do science, which sounds crazy, but yeah, it changes how they did science. Turns out that of the 52 individuals whose inventions and discoveries constitute modern science, only one of them was an atheist. If you look at the founders of the United States of America, of the 56 individuals who signed the Declaration of Independence, only three or four were not known to be Christians. It's, it's an amazing thing to realize the influence of these Christians. Now, some people turn that into a criticism and they say, see, then that's just proof that all of the evil that America represents was done by Christians. But the, the founders of the United States of America recognized that in order to have freedom, political freedom, you have to have a religious freedom. And then you have to have economic freedom and all three of those things work together. They came together in the American experiment in a powerful way. They made many tragic mistakes. But as you look at the Constitution, you realize, as the historian Wilford McClay puts it, they built the ship of state with the crooked timber of humanity in mind. Mm. It gave the world something it had never had before, which was a self-correcting form of government where the people themselves can work to make it better. And that that happened. That's happened all through history. Listen, in the 1300s, a third to a half of the population of Europe died. There is nothing in America that is as bad as what happened in the, in the Black Death. And yet, in the wake of the Black Death, it was Christians who stepped in and provided medical care. Catherine of Siena, is, uh, our Catholic friends would be very familiar with her because she, there's a, a feast day named for her. But Catherine... She went toward the sick people instead of away from them. People were saying, Catherine, get out of town. You know, that's what we're doing. If you have money, if you're a doctor or whatever, you get out of town because otherwise you're going to die. And she said, listen, Jesus is with the people who are suffering. That's where Jesus is. Mm. And I want to be with Jesus. So I'm going to go sit with the suffering. And, and there, the death rate of clergy was significantly higher than the rest of the population. And that established a trend when civil governments fell apart because so many people had died. The church stepped in and provided not only health care, but also sanitation. Even the very idea of the quarantine they got from all of the scriptural references to 40 days. You know, Jesus, 40 days in the wilderness, the 40 days in Noah's Ark and so forth. And that's, that's where it came from. All of these things came about because Jesus' followers, when all hope was lost, said, I am not 
giving up. Do you think that the world today could be um, essentially transformed if more and more smart, determined, quirky, and committed Christians who believe in the truth uh, begin to infiltrate all of these disciplines like politics and medicine and art and entertainment and education? What, what, what kind of a world do you think would unfold if we began to do that in our day? This is my favorite question of all because this is what I do for a living through some ministries, through our two week long programs for 16 to 22 year olds. I've been able to work with tens of thousands of young people and they are now uh, generals in the military. They are federal judges. They are political leaders. They are business owners. They are scientists. They're doing all of these things right now. Now we've gone, you know, in some ways pretty far in the wrong direction in our country. You don't turn it around overnight. But if we can give a generation of young believers the sense that you, Jesus is the basis of everything, and you could be a great scientist and be a Christian, you could be a great artist and be a Christian to the glory of God, and doing those kinds of things changes the world. So I still hold out hope. I, I don't minimize the fact that we're going through a dark time and that we'll continue to go through dark times. But our question is not whether we're going to go through dark times. Our question is, what will we do during the dark times? Will we bury our heads? Will we escape? Or will we engage? And that's one of the things that I love about your book, Truth Changes Everything, is that you give suggested ways for us to communicate the truth effectively to others. Can you give a couple of examples of effective ways to communicate the truth? Yeah, I've, I've actually got a chapter in the book called How to Tell the Truth and Be Nice at the Same Time. Now, of course, I had a friend who immediately pushed back on that. He said, we're not called to be nice. That's not a biblical value. He said, well, maybe I should have said kindness. Maybe I should have said gentleness. But the point is people want to be nice, and that's why they don't speak the truth. So I want them to know you can be a good person not be an offensive person right. while speaking the truth. And you primarily do that, Kirk, by asking questions. You know, you engage people in dialogue all of the time, and that's a skill. If people watch the show, just pick up how you ask questions and then apply that in their own life. It, it'll, it's so valuable. I start with questions like, tell me more about that. You say there's no difference between boys and girls, you know? Okay, tell me more about that. Instead of saying, are you an idiot, you know, right? Which is the natural impulse maybe, but to say, hey, tell me more about that. How did you arrive at that conclusion? How do you know that's true? When you use the term gender, what is it that you mean? How, you, how do you know that definition is legitimate? Express curiosity and then use that as an opportunity to build a relationship. So mm. here's a word picture. It's not two people butting heads like this. It's two people side by side seeking the truth. We live in an age right now where the news is depressing. Uh, much of the narrative is just, um, uh, it's, it's so oppressive. People very easily lose hope and they're, they're looking for the truth. Would you just uh, take a moment and encourage those who might be watching us right now um, and remind them of, of what truth is or who truth is and uh, how they can know him? Yeah, when I use the word truth, Kirk, I mean, the, the literal definition is what really is, what really is so. We know in our hearts that certain things are so, even if it's inconvenient for us to acknowledge those things, even if we don't want them to be true. So recognizing that truth really exists is important, but it's even more important to recognize that truth is relational. 
because truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus further said, and that was in John 14, 6, in John 8, 31 and 32, he said, if you follow my teachings, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Two significant concepts there to leave with. One is that word truth. In the Greek, it's the word aletheia. It means reality. Jesus is not saying, if you follow my teachings, you will know your truth. You'll feel better about yourself. He's saying you will know the truth. And what happens when you know the truth? It sets you free. You know, psychiatrists will tell you the very first step if you have a mental illness or you have an addiction of some kind is to acknowledge reality as it actually is. If you can't do that, you can never get well. But I'm wondering if the same thing is true for a society, Kirk, that we've got to acknowledge mm. that reality actually exists. Maybe it's inconvenient. Maybe it doesn't fit our agenda. But only when we acknowledge it will we actually be set free from the things that confuse us and make us hate one another and make it very difficult for us to work together in spite of our differences. Jeff, I'm, uh, I'm excited for people to get your book, Truth Changes Everything. Um, uh, where can people get this? Well, you can get it at places like Amazon.com. A lot of people buy it there. That's helpful for a new book because then they show it to more and more people, which causes more people to want to buy it. And we really want this message to be out there. If people can understand that truth is exciting and it's interesting and you can defend it. And not only that, you can live for it. And if, if we could get that word out in the time in which we live, that would be awesome. But any place books are sold, you can get this book, Truth Changes Everything. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.